the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's have at it. Say good morning to Sanira Chaudhry, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Robert Benzie is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Richard Krause is here, host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. And uh, where to start? Because, you know, there's no sort of standout lead. I know tax relief is something that everybody wants to talk about, but it's pretty dry. So let's set it aside for the moment. We will get to it. How about Ottawa deciding to punt? on medically assisted death. Richard, the government was ordered by a judge to mm-hmm. expand access to medical assistance in dying, but they've decided not to. Uh, and I say punt quite deliberately because I think it's going to happen. I think it's just nobody wants to be seen to be doing it. I think you're probably right, but I also think it shows an extreme lack of compassion uh, to, uh, for now anyway, exclude mental health from this program. Uh, the idea that people with mental illness aren't suffering uh, is ridiculous, and they should have the same rights, the same uh, access uh, as every other Canadian. It's interesting, because Mark Tui very articulately made that point at 6.20 this morning on the morning brief. But Sunira Chaudhry, I guess maybe this exposes how we think about mental health. Everybody thinks it's fixable. Sure, John. And we see it in the workplace, too. I I often uh, tell clients, when you're coming into a workplace and you have a broken leg, well, everybody can see it. Everybody can see that you need help. Right. And that you probably uh, will need some changes to your workspace and will need help getting up and and sitting down and up and down the stairs. But a mental health illness or one that's psychological, well, it's absolutely unseen. It's often trivialized. It's often downplayed and can actually be considered to be dramatic and seeking for attention. And so the stigma around mental health is alive. It's absolutely pervasive within Canadian society. But I think, um, and so I I think uh, Richard is absolutely bang on on that point, but it does seem like the government seem seems to be saying we don't know enough yet we don't know enough yet about the immediacy around uh, the need for medically assisted dying when it comes to mental health and it's relatively novel we know that there are some european countries that have gone ahead to um, allow medically assisted dying uh, for mental uh, illness alone but it's only a handful of of countries like Switzerland, like Belgium. And so uh, I, I can also see the flip side of this argument that perhaps Canada is wading into waters a bit early. I mean, it certainly would be a pioneer to allow medically assisted dying for mental health illness alone worldwide. See, Robert Benzie, I think most people can wrap their heads around the idea you've got pancreatic cancer, you're going to mm-hmm. die in three weeks, so you're going to take your leave today. But when it comes to mental health, people see it sort of as, as you know, surrendering. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I agree with Richard and Sanira. This is really, it's very, very complicated, and there are lots of unintended consequences. And I think it's interesting, frankly, that the health minister, Mark Holland, himself has spoken candidly about his own mental health challenges and how he considered um, suicide years and years ago. And, he, and and I thought it was very brave of him to come forward and speak about those things. I, you know, I know last week was Bell Let's Talk Day, and we, we you know, we we have been as a society talking more about mental illness, but. I think it's it's true what Snera said. If someone comes into the office with a with a, a an ailment you can see, uh, an illness you can see, or, or, or you know a broken leg or something like that, it, it, it's a lot different than people who are coping with things. But by the same token, do you want to make it 
so easy to 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 end your life i don't know it's it's again it's really really complicated i i I don't actually blame the government for punting it because this is something we really do need to think about a lot more all right so let's get to that tax discussion olivia chow offering tax relief to renters and in the form of tax relief it's important to note what she's saying is i won't jack them as high as i said i could jack them (laughs) one one city councillor actually sending me just in the last couple of minutes what the uh rent residential tax and multi-residential tax increases were from 2020 to 2023 and in 2020 it was zero zero again in 21 zero again in 22 and then 2.75% below inflation for 2023 so 4.5% and I'll start with you Robert Benzie is not exactly a gift from Olivia Chow no it's still an increase and and we know a lot of people who are renting are at you know their their limit I mean rents in in Toronto have never been higher um, and you know there isn't the there isn't the supply of of rental accommodation that that so it's not like people have options. So this is a very tough one, um, and I think that she uh, the mayor is is kind of it is a gambit on her part in that I think she really hopes that the federal government comes forward with some some relief for the city, but I'm not sure that it's going to happen. I I I don't know. I I thought that they might. Uh, blink, but they haven't yet. And you, you know, you spoke with Yvonne Baker on the air a couple yeah. of weeks ago, John, and that that really kind of set the tone. And I kind of wondered if there, things would change after that, and it hasn't. So I'm not sure uh, that she's going to win this one. But then, Richard Krauss, we get into this bind where everybody complains about, you know, including me, nothing works in this town. But then, as soon as she says, "I need to raise taxes in order to make things work," everybody says, "How dare you!" Yeah, I heard you talking about your, uh, I don't know, your epic journey, I guess, down to High Steakhouse (laughs) the other day, and delays on the subway and yelling at people on the street and the whole thing. And, you know, it was quite a saga, but it is like that pretty much every time you step outside of the house here. And it's not... Uh, much of a stretch to uh, consider that this city is broken in a lot of ways. And I know that uh, we should maybe try and highlight the stuff that's working really well here. And there are some things that are working really well here. But the fact of the matter is that we have punted so much stuff uh, from administration to administration, from mayor to mayor to mayor to mayor for decades, that now we're in a really uh, tight spot here. And the only way that we're going to be able uh, to get out of this, I think, is through uh, raising taxes. And it's unfortunate and it sucks and nobody wants to pay extra, particularly now when a cauliflower is $25 at the grocery store. Is it really? No, it's not, but it's getting there. (laughs) (laughs) There's sticker shock at the grocery store. I don't eat it every time you go. Clearly. Okay. And and I do think journey to, to, uh, you know, size steakhouse, that could be uh, be interesting. Have a hundred dollar steak. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't don't eat meat. Uh, Sunira Chaudhary, what do you think? Well, John, you know, I I think. Mayor Chow, uh, to Benzie's point earlier, she kind of put herself on an island uh, taking on uh, the federal government when she kind of really uh, squarely put the federal government to task saying we need more money, especially with respect to refugees and asylum seekers. And and that doesn't, that hasn't panned out as Benzie said. And when, and, but I think back uh, earlier in January, the budget chief said the 9% increase was really because of this $1.8 billion shortfall. So uh, this is an opportunity, I think, for Mayor Chow to double down on that issue. But I, I think what 
can what Torontonians would want to know is if there is going to be this increase, and it looks like it's it's happening for sure. What does that mean, dollars and cents wise? I saw one article saying it's probably not going to be more than thirty dollars a month for the average household. I think that's what's going to help Mayor Chow in this situation. Nobody wants to hear about a tax increase, as Richard said, but I think understanding what the math would be would help ease some of those uh, tensions. And my last point on it is this nine or ten percent increase um i think it would be great if we if we had a mayor uh actually looking under the hood and saying i i see this nine or ten percent increase as a recommendation i'm going to look at the numbers i'm going to see if i agree with that recommendation and not just simply taking a, a recommendation um just on its face i think we want to see leaders leadership that's actually going to uh, look under the hood, break down the numbers, see if they agree, see if uh, it, it not just arbitrarily assign a number um, based on a recommendation that we don't know the math on. Ontario is opting to refurbish nuclear reactors at Pickering, and this is a provincial issue, so I'll come back to you, Robert Benzie, since you are at Queen's Park. Um, People keep saying that this is, well, radioactive as a political issue. I don't know that there are that many people who oppose the idea of our baseline being supplied by nuclear. I mean, John, at this hour, 56% of our electricity is being provided by nuclear uh, generation in Ontario right now. Um, we can't do, literally, we can't keep the lights on without it. So, and if we want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, yes, uh, it's, uh, it, it, the nuclear waste is a, is, is a difficult thing to deal with. And the government and, and various agencies are looking at long-term storage right now. But in the meantime, we also need to keep the lights on. And that's why uh, refurbishing Pickering, which has been around since the early 1970s, is so important. And that's what Todd Smith is going to make official this morning, the energy minister. And I think it, the, the thing about nuclear plants is they take a long, long time to build or yeah. refurbish. So this is this will be a more than a decade before it's done. Um, but it has to be done because otherwise we can't, I mean, we just can't uh, do our base power based on, on, on solar power and, and windmills. It just doesn't work. Sanira, I know there'll be some unreconstructed hippies protesting this, but again, <laughs> amongst our pundits and contributors, I've yet to find a person who's anti-nuclear. Sure. I mean, even uh, Jerry Agar, I heard him on round one saying this is the green option. I mean, for those who are looking for clean energy, um, this is the this is the solution. And um, uh, it's going to create, you know, 11,000 jobs a year. I think that's that's a a score as well. Um, but it's I, I also like the idea that it's going to help Ontario, you know, compete for business where or globally most businesses are looking for a way um, to expand with clean energy. This is probably going to help the nation internationally compete for a lot of that business as well. So I can see uh, it's, it's, it's checking every box here, John. Yeah, Chernobyl never did uh, the industry any favors, but Richard Krauss, really, it's Jane Fonda's <laughs> fault that nobody, not nobody, but so many people are squeamish about nuclear. Yeah, Jane Fonda and Jack Lemmon. Yeah, that movie, I think, probably put people off in a big way. And then you watch the miniseries Chernobyl, you know the history about it. Uh, but I'm with uh, apparently all the other pundits and thinking that this is something that we need to do. Uh, the 11,000 jobs per year sounds great to me. Increasing Ontario's GDP by $19.4 billion sounds good to me. Uh, and I want to keep the lights on. Okay, and Richard, I'll remain with you for 
a moment the uh, Elon Musk business of putting a Neuralink mm-hmm. implant in a human brain. Is this the opening to the movie where somebody says, I've warned you not to do this? This is absolutely <laughs> the opening to that movie. And I am very glad, I guess, that uh, there are advancements being made, you know, in this way in towards uh, helping people who have been paralyzed and that sort of thing. But I would not be the first person to say, yeah, put that thing in my head. Elon. Yeah. Okay, but Robert Benzie, you get to, for example, our old friend Andy Barry uh, with Parkinson's <laughs> yeah. had yeah. a thing that is kind of like a pacemaker. He had an insert in his brain. So this is not unprecedented. No, and also the, if you can if you can resolve neurological diseases or illnesses with these kinds of chips, this is interesting. And I, I know it's because it's Elon Musk and he's already caused so much brain damage because of Twitter. Everyone's a little verklempt <laughs> about this. But I think this is the kind of technology that could actually make for a better world. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Sanira Chaudhary, Richard Krauss, and Robert Benzie. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.